hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, I just wanted to do some housekeeping before we hop into the episode this week. I am so grateful for all of your support. Thank you so much. Um, And I will continue to release episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific. However, I am going to start releasing bonus episodes as things are timely. I've had an incredible opportunity to interview people all over the world. So I want to share as many of these episodes as possible. So if something feels timely and I compare it to a previous interview that I've had, I will release it. Um, So look for those bonus episodes on Friday. um, And thank you everyone for all of your support. Please like, share, comment, tell a friend, etc. And if you want to be a guest, as always, just email pdkmopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope everyone enjoys this episode. My guest this week is Melissa Narvaez who is a really amazing and influential person in her community, and I'm really excited to share this with my listeners. So please enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, all good. How are you doing? It's a rainy day here. Oh, it's today. rainy. <laughs> it's a little gloomy here, um, but the it was so hot the last couple of weeks, and now it's kind of um, just normal, you know, 75 degree San Diego every single day. <laughs> Great so temperature. To, to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is coming in from New York, Melissa. Melissa, would you like to give your elevator pitch, 30,000 foot overview of who you are, what you do, etc.? So I'm a marketer career coach and self-proclaimed badass who went from working with oil cargo ships in a small town in Venezuela, not Minnesota, Venezuela, (laughs) to running uh, regional marketing at one of the top software companies in the world. I am passionate about elevating Latinx to break glass ceilings by translating my personal experiences into advice and helping them advance their career. That is amazing. I love that. That's such a cool story. Um, I actually had a friend growing up who was from Venezuela um, and just watching him kind of do really amazing things in life now after immigrating here. Um, I, I've always been, I felt very drawn to Venezuela um, just, you know, based on like all the things that have been happening over there. Um, so mm-hmm. I always have felt a personal tie to it. Um, how long have you been in the United States? I've been in the U.S. for four years now. I moved late uh, 2015. Yeah, to 2016 I moved, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and reading ahead, it kind of sounded like uh, you were in San Francisco first, right? Yes. So I, I skipped the pond from Argentina directly to San Francisco, and then I made all my way back to I, – I made my way to the East Coast. So awesome. It's been a fun ride. Yeah. How are you liking New York? I love it. It's uh, it actually reminds me a lot of Buenos Aires. So I lived there for five years, and it's a little bit of, of chaos. A little bit, no, a lot of chaos, <laughs> right? And it's like the city that never sleeps. Although 
it's it's been sleeping a lot the last few months as as we all know but i i enjoy it so much it's a great city i love that yeah i only had the most recent opportunity to go visit i'm a, I'm a peloton person i have a peloton bike um and i went to new york to actually ride within the person in the studio with the instructors oh cool um, and that was like my first time i'd ever been to new york city and i was like dang like how am i 30 and i've never been here before <laughs> um because i've traveled you know, around the world, but I just had never been to New York City until September. And I agree with you, the city does not sleep. And there is almost a brashness to it that I just wasn't prepared for. Because East Coast is very like, snap your fingers, yeah. it's done. And I'm West Coast, where it's like, I'll get it to you like in an hour or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. it was kind of an adjustment, but I really want to go back once this new normal kind of resumes. Yeah. Um, well, well, right now it's, it's, it's actually real nice. And, 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 you know, mentioning, and I know we, we, I, I didn't actually share this part of my story with you, mm -hmm. but um, I actually lived in New York when I was a child. I lived here four oh, cool. years since I was from six to 10 wow. uh, with my mom. And then I went back to Venezuela and never came back. Um, so coming back recently as an adult, you know, like 30 years later, it's been like a whole emotional uh, experience because, you know, some of the best years of my childhood were actually in this city. So it's been kind of like a closing loop, uh, making it back here. Yeah, absolutely. And so you and I, of course, have not met, but I found you on matchmaker.fm, which sounds like a dating app, but it's not. It's for podcasters to connect with podcast guests and likewise. Um, and I just, I was reading your bio and I was like, man, this girl sounds really cool. <laughs> so I hope she'd <laughs> want to be on my podcast. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with my, um, you know, speak on my podcast and help out my listeners. Because I feel like you have a very powerful story. So Let's just hop into the elephant in the room, which is, of course, imposter syndrome, which is what this podcast is about. Um, and I love asking this question because resoundingly, I really feel like everyone has the same answer. And if you don't have this answer, probably I'm wary of you or you're a really boring person. So do you feel like you have it all figured out? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Not at all. I sometimes act and, and say that I do, but no, I don't. <laughs> Yeah. And I think like feeling like you have it all figured out and like this constant comparison to others kind of is what really deeply drives this ingrained feeling of imposter syndrome. And when I started this podcast, I always thought it was a more gender based, perhaps mostly females felt it. And as the conversations were nearly 40 conversations and I've had, I'm realizing that it's a very, very human emotion. So do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a great observation. And I think it's also, at least for me, it's been like a very new topic or a very uh, new, um, I don't know, adjective or feeling like I, I, like five years ago, I think I never heard that term. So mm -hmm. it's been very enlightening to just be like, oh, wait, that's what I've been feeling for the last you know, 10 years mm -hmm. or like of my adulthood, which I feel it's when we start to be much more conscious. So so yeah, I've, I've definitely felt it. I, I, I face it on most of a day-to-day -day level. Um, I think one of the, the, the things or, or the moments that it was like boom in my face was after moving to San Francisco. So like I mentioned, I moved from Argentina to San Francisco, even though I came with the, with the same uh, company, I was changing teams and obviously changing environment and the day-to-day -day was completely in English versus being a mix of Spanish and English 
business terms, right? So I moved to San Francisco to be part of the marketing team of um, one of these uh, Silicon Valley, you know, tech top companies. Um, and I discovered how few people like me there were. And, and by like me, you know, I mean, went to college in a you know small town in South America. Um, their first career experience was you know not a Fortune 500 company or a Silicon Valley startup or a consulting firm, which mm-hmm. is kind of like what most of the people in in the tech space in San Francisco uh, you know have as their career journey, or even spoke English as their sec- second language. So I constantly felt like out of place because I you know instead of feeling like super proud about being there, you know, and all of that. I, I, I felt like I wasn't checking all those boxes. So mm. I felt like an outcast. I was like, oh my God, like I have to work double and harder than everybody else because I, I felt like I didn't have all the knowledge. I didn't have all that expertise. How could I even compare myself to, you know, these people who went to like Stanford and, you know, their first job was at Google. So I was always thinking like I'm not as smart as them or I don't I don't know all these fancy business lingo that for them it looks so naturally so it was always a big effort for me to understand I literally had to google or like translate some of the terms in my new role (laughs) um it was like yeah and I was like this is exhausting and you know so so it's constantly um you know and there's the, the language thing is a big thing so my, my mind was thinking in Spanish, yeah. and I was, you know, every day was in English. So, so it's definitely, I think that that was like my big, oh my God, imposter syndrome moment. Like I, this is not for me. Like I am not equipped or prepared um, to be here. Um, but, you know, as kind of projects or problems started to arise that needed solving, my solutions and my recommendations tended to be very different from the mm-hmm. rest. So I was like, oh my God, like, Melissa, like, don't talk. Like, I don't even want to give an opinion. <laughs> so that was like my first, I think, big um, uh, mind-blowing uh, moment of imposter syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. I can actually relate to that. Now, you know, I'm, I don't have this, the language barrier. I'm, I'm from the United States and all that. But I remember the first time I got hired, I started at this fancy schmancy independent advertising agency in Denver and I was an intern and I was like trial to hire basically. Um, And I remember that where my imposter syndrome stemmed from was that I had a boss and he was not a very well-liked guy around the office and he would pull me into his office each week and tell me that I needed to be wary of my, of, of, of my perception, what people thought of me because they definitely reflected on him. And so that made me, which, which, you know, in and of itself is sexist and clearly an HR issue when I was 22 and I didn't know I could take that to HR. However, I became like you so unsure of myself because my, my solutions to problems were different than other people's. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid to speak up or speak out or, you know, so I felt like an outcast when it was like my first job and I shouldn't have felt that way. And I, kind of just continue to carry that around. And to go back to your first point about, you know, only recognizing this or, or really hearing about it recently, I think that is true. I think, I think that this term, like the, the, the words imposter and syndrome, they sound so scary. But when you yeah. break it down, everyone has felt it in some way, shape or form. Because even when I got to the top of the top of my career, I'm a marketing director, and I got laid off for 
uh, due to COVID, even when I got there, I still wasn't questioning myself and mm. like, oh, my answers are different or my solutions are different, or I know this to be true. And I was questioning myself and feeling just like every single day, they're going to come in here and they're going to tell me like, pack your stuff. We found you out, get out of here. <laughs> but that never happened. And um, so for me, like, it's been really hard to, I, I guess, I guess just like what I found worked for me was that the more I leaned into being myself and like, you know, doing things that aligned with who I was on a soul and psyche level, the more I felt comforted in my position. So that's something that I'm finding in all these conversations is that if you're authentic to who you are and you don't kind of dumb down those parts of yourself because you're wanting to fit in or whatever, then that tends to kind of fall away a little bit. Yes. No, I a hundred percent. And I think I, I applied the same technique. I started to appreciate the, the diversity I brought to the table. Right. Yeah. And, and I used my, um, you know, being very, outspoken or, or loud. And it's something as simple as I just started to literally hug everyone when mm -hmm. I greeted them because it's a very <laughs> Latin thing that we do. So that helped me actually be like, Hey, it's okay. Like I'm, I'm, you know, my background is different. My experience is different, yeah. but that actually will add value yeah. to the team. Absolutely. And I think it's really beautiful that, you know, that you can bring that to the table and I'm sure like create some beautiful stuff out of it. And if in a lot of things, I was actually just having this conversation with um, my coworker, my old coworkers, who you both got laid off. Thanks, pandemic. Uh, but I was having this conversation with my coworker today. She's now at a different advertising agency. She's or she's at a different marketing agency. Had never worked at a marketing agency before, and she was talking to me about how she was kind of feeling like, "Oof, I don't fit in. Like this is just like not for me. Like you know, I feel like I'm in a very white company where there's no diversity." And she was kind of you know, voicing her concerns to me and saying, well, I don't feel like, feel like I fit in and I don't feel like they're taking me very seriously. And I said, well, have you thought about just being yourself? Yeah. And she was like, oh, <laughs> no, I have not thought about that. And um, she's like, I'm going to try that. And, and I was like, yeah, just try it for a week and see how you feel. Like you have nothing to prove to anyone. The best asset you can have, your biggest superpower is if you are yourself and confident in yourself, no one can touch you. And if so, I wish I could go back to my 22 year old self and go, Hey, look, um, this guy's an asshole <laughs> and, uh, you should just be yourself like right here, right now. Yeah. You're going to save yourself like nine years of struggle. Like just, just, just be yourself. I know. Don't we all be on Right. <laughs> 20 somethings that are coming. Right. And that are <laughs> I know. And it's so funny. Cause I talked to someone recently and they said, you know, we're going to look back and we're going to start saying hindsight is 2020, <laughs> but then we're going to like feel PTSD because 2020 has been so crazy. Um, so definitely. Yeah. And I love that. I just love that you were bringing your brand to this brand and like doing some beautiful stuff. I think I wish more marketers had that foresight to really just dig into what makes them unique and bring that to the table every time. Cause it's so much better to stand out rather than fit in. Yes. So, well yeah. And in terms of um, imposter syndrome, I find that, you know, 
feeling of having it all figured out, imposter syndrome and success. I mean, they're really all deeply linked. They're interconnected. Now what's, what's what, excuse me, what success looks like to you is going to look different than what success looks like to me. Um, so what does success, excuse me, success look like to you and do you feel successful? So I'll start with the second question. Yes, I feel successful. And I'm going to tell you all of the different categories in which I kind of tie Love success it. to, because there are a lot. Um, to me, you know, so being successful uh, or success is, is looking back at your past experience. It's focusing on the lessons that I learned by all the mistakes I made, but how those lessons actually helped me be either a better person, you know, with my family, with my friends, with my, you know, current partner to how that helped me become a better professional. To me, it's the six is the sum of all the things that I've learned throughout life and my career and how all of those things now just make me awesome at what I do or has helped me be able to help others through them. So that's like, I would say that the, the first thing, right? Because I think learnings and experience, it's, it's the sum of who you are. And if, if you learn how to recognize the mistake that you've made and how you've actually improved, like those improvements are a success, you know, on, on their own. So that would be the first one. Um, another one is finding financial stability. Um, and, and I'm not talking about becoming rich, which is, a, you know, one of the things that I, I, I think many people tie success to. No, I'm not talking about, you know, having the, the yacht and, and all of that, you know, the bling bling and all that. No, it's having the peace of mind of not having to worry about my next paycheck, which, oh my God, in my early years, it was something that it was like, it was like the 25th and I was like already like pulling my hair and is it going to come? Is it going to come? So just the fact that you can have that, you know, peace of mind um, is, is something that for me falls into being successful. And then another thing is finding what you love, which I know sounds, uh, finding what you love, which I know sounds very cliche um, and kind of unattainable um, when it, when it refers to doing what you do on a day-to-day -day level, like your job. And it's almost impossible to say we love everything about our job, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's utopia. But as long as you love most or at least half of, of that part of that job, and you feel excited about going to the office. Well, right now, maybe we're not going to the office, but you get excited about, you know, getting up, working on that project tomorrow, you know, being with your, with your team or helping those customers. For me, that is success. It's loving things passionately about what you do on a day-to-day -day level. I absolutely adore all of these answers. There's so much strength in every single one that you're, that you're talking about. And I, I, and I can see a lot of like my own experience. I agree with you where what we've done, like if, if I make a mistake and I don't learn from it, then like shame on me because I think that there's so much strength and beauty and learning from our mistakes, like and not repeating those patterns and making sure we're not doing cyclical things over and over and over again. And I always say that even if I was given the opportunity to go back in time and change things about my past, it wouldn't have led me to where I am today. And I'm very happy right now. So I'm actually proud of the mistakes I've made in a lot of ways because I've learned from them. And oh God, I've made so many mistakes in my career. I mean, truly. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I started out in a very weird job market and all of that. And on paper, I always say, you know, I traditionally I am successful. I'm 
successful in my marriage. I'm successful, um, you know, as far as financial stability. Um, I'm very good with money. But like you, like there were times where I'd be like, oh shoot, okay, like is it the 15th yet? Is it the 15th yet? Please tell me the 15th is coming. And, um, you know, but I think that's just like being young and, and being young. And also I was, you know, making a lot less money than I, than I do now in my, in my thirties. But, um, also I think that that's beautiful. Like not having to worry about your next paycheck and knowing that you're financially in a, you know, sound is such a good feeling. And I always say if money's an issue in a relationship, it's always going to be an issue no matter what. Um, and so I'm with a partner that, is also financially stable, which has been really beneficial for me. Um, but then also your, your um, part about waking up and loving what you do every single day, that is so key and so pivotal because I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm just going to throw my husband under the bus here. My husband's a Lieutenant in the Navy and he does not like being in the military. Every single day he wakes up and goes, when am I going to be in for 20 years mm-hmm. so I can get out? And he has had to find the joy outside of this. And it's been really tough on him because he doesn't know what he wants to do when he gets out next. But for him, what makes him happy is that even though I got laid off, even though um, right now I'm uh, unemployed and um, we're moving in a year, so getting back into an office doesn't make sense for me. I don't really know what I want to do next, but I have a feeling I want to do something that helps spouses in the military because they're very... um, they need, they're very um, underserved. They kind of need a voice. Mm-hmm. They need help. I also wake up every single day and I work on this damn podcast <laughs> and it brings me complete and utter joy it because joy. yeah, like it's, I mean, I mean, did I know what I was doing when I started this? Hell no. Did I have imposter syndrome about the very podcast about imposter syndrome? <laughs> Hell yes. But I, I tried it and that is what changed the course for me because a lot of people, are saying, you know, oh, 2020 is trash, like throw it away. And I go, if that's what you think, man, you're doing it wrong. 2020 is such a really pivotal year. I started therapy. I started working on myself. I started this podcast. I took up hobbies and crafting. And so I say, if you don't come out of this pandemic or this year, a better person than you went into it, then you were definitely not my tribe of people. And (laughs) I think this is such a year for introspection. So yeah, I mean, I love everything you said about success. And I think that's really great advice, really sound advice. Thank you. And, and your, your story is also, yeah, like, yes, 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 to all that you just <laughs> said. And if nobody reimagined themselves during 2020, honey, you better prepare for 2021. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, it's just so, it's just so funny because you and I were even chatting before we even like click record because you're on, we're on opposite ends of the country and just the way that the pandemic is shaping in both New York and here, like couldn't be diff- more different. Yeah. And there was a point where we were doing things the same and now we're not. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's just been a really weird and strange year. Um, and, but I'm, I'm okay with it because everyone's going through this pandemic in a different way, but that is what is so beautiful right now. But also the level of empathy that I've had for people, because I know that like me going through this as a military spouse is different than you going through this as an executive, you know, like those kinds of things are going to be different. So I just definitely think that in 2020, if you haven't done it yet, take a little deep dive and find something new to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I think we've definitely addressed the elephant in the room. She's gone. Goodbye. Imposter syndrome. I'm sure there's a lot more that can be said and we'll probably even find ways that we bring it back to there again. But my favorite part of every single conversation I have with my guests is things they're fanatical about and things that are unpopular opinions. And right now I am rewatching all of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars <laughs> because YouTube TV just added VH1 and you bet your buns, I am watching all of All Stars right now. I seasons four and five, so I'm watching four right now. I am absolutely fanatical about RuPaul's Drag Race. I always have been. I go to DragCon every year, or at least I wanted to go to DragCon every year since moving here. I However, it was canceled this year. It's fine. I slayed at home. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> Trinity the Tuck Taylor is just, I got to meet her and hold her scepter. Uh, and this kind of goes into some things that you're fanatical about, and I'll give you the floor in just a second. While I was waiting in line to meet Trinity the Tuck Taylor last year, Carson Cressley crossed my path. I asked him for a photo, and I have the shittiest selfie with him because I absolutely, just as much as I love RuPaul, love the Fab Five and the original Fab Five. So what are you fanatical about? Take it wow. away. Wow. <laughs> I just became a fan. I'm like, you just, you, you had that one. You saved that one to surprise me, right? I'm like, first of all, I did not know about YouTube's RuPaul show. I'm like, I, I grew up watching, like RuPaul is an icon of when yes. I was a child. And it was like, it was incredible. So seeing, you know, everything accomplished today and, and this, that is amazing. And I'm so jealous that you had that opportunity. So I will try to <laughs> track you down for, for when that starts again and, and see if I can catch you there. Uh, but yes, I am, I am fanatical about Queer Eye. Uh, they are, it's just like, they are like those best friends mm -hmm. that I wish I had during my adult life. You know, it's like, why, like, I want friends like them, like all of them. I want them <laughs> to be my friends. It's like, they're just, it's the energy that they give out and the way, you know, how they, how they touch people in, you know, I don't want to say simple way and, 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 you know, and, and discredit or, 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 or remove, um, you know, the importance of what they do. But at the end of the day, it's, it's being good humans, you know, it's as mm -hmm. simple as that. And I love how they project that, um, on their shows and they're just, they're just so tasteful and hilarious. So I love them. Yeah. There's something so magical about the new cast and yeah, I, right. I remember watching it when I was younger, the original cast. I got it. I had to have been like 11 or 12 or whatever, but I remember like that was like my first Fourier into like homosexuality and what that meant. And it's okay to be gay. And like, that's okay. And they were trailblazers. Like, do not get me wrong. And it's funny because I, I, I actually have paid money to market. I paid Jay Rodriguez $25 on Cameo so that he would record a podcast <laughs> intro for me. And, but I was like, girl, why are you $25? Like, I remember you. But honestly, I think like, I, I agree with you. Netflix did such a beautiful reboot. The cast is amazing. They're all about self-love and empowerment. They're not stereotypes of what homosexuality is. They're non, you know, like... Jonathan Van Ness being, you know, non-binary is just like the yeah, most beautiful thing amazing. and owning it. Um, plus like his activism coming out as being HIV positive. I mean, like every one of those cast members has this beautiful story and they're all gorgeous and loving humans and they change lives. And it's just, yeah. ugh, I love it so much. If I'm like having a bad day, I just rewatch episodes. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Or I like, stop them on Instagram like crazy and like leave them comments on all of their stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I know it's, it's, 
it's a lot. And then to go back to the YouTube TV comment, so I'm a cord cutter and I've been a cord cutter for like three or four years now. So I think they just raised their prices. It's like 60 bucks a month, but it's like TiVo. It records everything. Um, it can have up to six devices on it, which is nice. And I mean, I have like one on my phone and one on my TV and one on my computer. So I'm like logged in everywhere. Um, and I like, I'm a huge 90 day fiance fan. So like it has everything back in the catalog of trash that just forever. So I definitely, if you are looking for a streaming service that like makes your life easier, it is incredible. No, I've had it forever. <laughs> <laughs> So to go off of like more things you're fanatic about, you had some really great ones about like Michelle Obama and World Cup, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So, uh, well, Michelle, you know, I I think a lot of a lot of us can 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 relate. Like anybody who who read her story or you know can can feel re related to that story, right? Becoming I. I went through that book and there were so many aspects of it, although it's like nothing to do, like her life with my life, like nothing to do one with the other. I for sure am not the first lady of any country um, or was, but she's just so relatable and so down to earth. And it's, it's just very inspiring. It's like, you feel like she's your best friend. She could be your best friend without her knowing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously respect like just how she was able to grow on her own, you know, despite the spotlight, let's say, being on her husband. So um, I really respect her for that. And then the other one, you, you slightly, I was like, I'm, this is like so random, right? Because it has nothing to do. And it's not like I'm a sports fan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not a soccer fan. So I very uh, specifically answered this question to Bianca as like World Cup fan. Mm -hmm. And what this means is every World Cup, I am like, it's like sacred to me and, yeah. and it's not about, and what's funny is like, you know, I'm from Venezuela and Venezuela hasn't played in the World Cup since I think 63, 69, like a long time ago. So it's not like my home country is playing, but it's the heart and the passion that the, both the players and the fans give to their national teams that it's just such an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. Like I've lived the World Cup in Argentina of course, I lived there many years, and it's like a whole, it's like, it's like a thing you, you rarely have lived somewhere else, you know, I, I, I've never been to like England or, um, you know, been in those, those games, but it's just seeing one country united, and not only Argentina, yeah. but you see it, right, it's like a whole mm -hmm. nation unites to support their national team, and that is, it's something that just, I, I, I love. So it's all that momentum, all that celebration, all that passion out there is definitely what makes me fanatic. Yes. And um, I actually have firsthand experience with that because when I was 17, I went on a study abroad to Germany and it was during the World Cup. And I got to see it firsthand because Germany was hosting the World Cup and it was so unlike anything I'd ever seen. And it was amazing because then I studied abroad in college, which makes me sound like very privileged. <laughs> but I studied abroad in college and I went to Greece and it was World Cup, but it was World Cup, I want to say in South Africa. Um, but it didn't matter because everyone was in the cafes watching their team, yeah. rooting them on, didn't matter. And the camaraderie, you're right, it's infectious. And I, it's, it's just beautiful because I, 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 there's not a lot, whole lot of things. I mean, maybe the Olympics, maybe. But maybe, World Cup, yeah. the Olympics, and then Eurovision in Europe, those are the things that really, <laughs> truly unite True. the country. 
um, but not, nothing quite like World Cup. It's just this next level fandom, passion, patriotism, so to speak. Yes. Just yes. die hard. Um, and for a long time, I had the 2006 uh, Golio, he was a lion, mascot on my keychain. <sighs> Um, and then I had an ex-boyfriend. He's no longer in my life, clearly. And this was actually, as long as you've lived here, this was in 2016. Oh. He, his, because it was like maybe six months before I met my husband, but his, he had a bulldog and the bulldog ate it off my keys. And oh. I was like, okay, like, I can't ever That's get that sign. back. I can't ever get that back. Yes, it's a sign. <laughs> like, I have to go. My Uber's here. Bye. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but yes, I definitely agree. There is nothing quite like it. And it's just beautiful. And I really hope that it does come back. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what this new normal is going to look like. I don't know how this virus is going to affect and impact the entire world and stuff. But for World Cup, please, please save oh, it. Oh, yeah. Please save we it. We hope we can make that one. <laughs> yes. Totally. I love that. So unpopular opinions. I always say, as long as your unpopular opinion doesn't hurt me or others, I don't care. Mine is that I just, I cannot stand cantaloupe. I've said it so many times and I, I know I've stolen this joke from Bojack Horseman. So sorry to the writers of Bojack Horseman, but why does cantaloupe always bring its shitty cousin, honeydew to the party? No one wants you in the fruit salad. <laughs> so um, that's always my unpopular opinion. So what is yours? So mine, and, I, and I'm like, you know, I'm never clear on the difference between the cantaloupe and like <laughs> the normal melon. Like that's a whole thing. Like I'm still working on like my vocabulary and my thing. So I'm going to Google that. <laughs> because it's a, like, yeah, <laughs> it's orange. It's like the orange, um, like the rind, it, it kind of looks like white on the outside. And then inside it's like this orange fruit. And to me, the flavor tastes like, um screaming it's sweeter no it's 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 sweet yeah if it's in season but i don't think the reason why i don't like it is because i was born in minnesota my mom would always buy it year round didn't matter if it was in season or not and then force me to eat it so even if it wasn't uh, if it was bitter i didn't like it and if it was too sweet it. i didn't like it so <laughs> um but it's uh it's just it's weird because i will have melon flavored things like cantaloupe melon like basically when you say melon, it is cantaloupe, um, melon flavored things. Like there's this Got hard it. seltzer that is melon basil and it's delicious. I don't know why I'm okay with that, <laughs> but I have the physical fruit. Fuck it. Don't want it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 that's helpful. I, I got it now. Well, well, mine, um, I didn't think of a fruit or something. Um, but, but I, I try to like think of like ones that yeah. I constantly, bring up and, 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 you know, more like maybe like debates or, or conversations. And, and, and the first one is, is again, you know, very much to, to this, um, having a nonlinear uh, mm -hmm. career path. Right. And, and then talent, yeah. you know, skills and, and effort and all of that. So the first one would be, it's not just talent that will make you successful. Mm -hmm. Right. And, I think I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not like discovering that the world is round, right? Right now there, there is a trend that, that we're starting to see like, hey, you know, it's, it's not about just hiring or recruiting the best talents, like the people that come from the best universities with the best GPA, like th there's a whole other set of, of, of skills and, and strengths and characteristics, right, that make somebody successful. And uh, why I think that is, is because you can be very, very, you know, your, your IQ can be very high. 
you can be very intelligent, smart, or, you know, whatever word you want to use. But if you don't do anything with that talent, you're not going to get far, right? So for me, it's, it's effort it is what makes talent actionable. Yes. Yes. I'm going to stop you right there on that because I agree wholeheartedly. Honestly, like it's one thing to be a creative and it's another thing to like be a creative that like actually understands the way the accounting works, actually understands the way things work. Like sometimes I feel like, especially cause you and I are both marketers. So we, we come from this background, but you know, to my listeners who aren't marketers, there's a tendency to be siloed. So, oh, you were really great at video. You're just a video guy and you never learn anything else on top of that. And so unfortunately it's like, it's like you're talented, but if you're not doing anything with that talent or like learning new skills or diversifying or branching out, it's not going to help. Effort is totally 100% what makes the talent actionable. I totally agree with that. Um, and I feel like in my career, it was frustrating to see people who tried less hard than me. And it typically was men mm. get, get ahead further than me. And I was like, but you, you're like, yeah, you're talented, but like, I'm sitting here busting my ass. Like, and so sometimes it can be kind of um, upside down in that way, but yeah. I definitely don't think that's an unpopular opinion because I think that that's so true. It's just, you can't just get the eye on your good looks alone. You got to have something else to back it yeah. up. Well, then that's good. Then I'm glad it's not, it's unpopular. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the goal. That's where we're going to, right, Bianca? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then the other one, so uh, yeah, I, I threw out there too. So the other one, I think, you know, it's more, um, you know, coming from, from South America, although we have our own problems, um, but I've always really uh, appreciated the free access to both education and healthcare. So my my other, I, it might also not be as unpopular as I think, is um, education and healthcare should be free. Um, yes. You know, when when we when we talk about real um, equal opportunity. I personally think it has, it starts with this, like it cannot happen any other way. And, you know, in, in South America, like I said, we, we have a lot of stuff to figure out and we have a lot of problems, but it's something that, that has always, you know, been there. And um, I've, I've always like recognized that. And, and we also see it, you know, in Europe, all, all that. So for, for me, I, I put it as unpopular because I think it's more of, of the context maybe within the U.S., um, but it's, it's basic things, you know, basic things that all the people, like the people should have equal access to. I agree. And, uh, it's interesting because as a military spouse, I'm under TRICARE, um, which, you know, I think my husband pays like $5 a month or something like that for me to have healthcare through him. Um, and basically, I mean, it's a very, it's a flawed system, but it's still good enough, you know, I don't have to worry about it. Um, but even when I was paying my paychecks into healthcare, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like yeah. we, we have all of this money and funding into research in the healthcare system. And, you know, it just makes you realize that America is just corporate, 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 corporate yeah. money, greed, all of that. And the education system, as well as the healthcare system are bullies. And I think that there should be this access to healthcare that, unfortunately we don't have. And that's why you're seeing like when the pandemic happened that there was a shortage yeah. of supplies because no one expected it because it's healthcare is not free, you know? Yeah. So, um, and also like, I think it's ridiculous that we get taxed on healthcare if we don't have it. Like, yeah, 
That was that's confusing to me. So confu- yeah, it's so confusing. You're like, what is, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I agree with that. And I can see how it's unpopular because a lot of people are like, America. But honestly, like, the only way to have a brighter, smarter future is to make those things free and available to everyone. And if we're going to talk Black Lives Matter and Brown and all of that, all of those lives matter, then we should also give equality and equal access to every single person in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So I I definitely appreciate both of those. (laughs) (laughs) So um, given the pandemic and just kind of how crazy this year has been, I, I always love asking this question, but what is currently making you happy in the world and bringing you joy? So I'm very similar as you, like, you know, even like in, in a complicated situation, I'll find my way to find something that, that I love and I enjoy. So I'm, I'm going to ask you what your horoscope sign is later. Um, <laughs> but uh, particularly right now, what has me very excited is uh, I founded a, a community called Venezuelans in Tech uh, with the mission to inspire women it can be, you know, Latinas or Venezuelans um, to pursue a career in tech. And we recently launched our first mentorship program, which it sounds like, oh, okay, but it's, it's an overhaul of, of, of work and just getting people excited to join the program was, wow, like, uh, yeah. I'm super excited. Like, we just launched it. We, we, we still have a lot of ways to go, but it's a, it's a very personal project to me because I, I had the opportunity to, to be pulled into uh, this, this tech world, and um, there are still people who, who don't know about it, you know, and especially women. There, there is a, a gap in, 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 in women, and not only, you know, women who code and programming, but, but overall in, in the tech industry. So it's a way of creating awareness and inspiring women to look into tech as a, a career path. Ah, I love that. I think that's so beautiful. I was actually just talking about this to a friend that Barbie Mattel did like a complete disservice in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, don't quote me on the year, but Barbie, they created a Barbie doll that said like math and science is hard. And mm-hmm. there was a link to that actually dissuading women to get into STEM careers. So I love that you're doing this because it's so needed and necessary. There's a seat at the table for everyone. It doesn't matter your background. You deserve to be there. And I wish if I could go back in time, of course, like I've said, I would have done STEM. I would have tried a lot harder. I would have, I would have definitely found my way into tech. And I think it's beautiful that you're creating a seat at the table for every single person with your background and you're not making it just exclusive to Venezuelans. You're also making it exclusive to anyone that's Latinx identifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super fun. I love you're that. You're invited. You're invited. Yeah. So if you want to okay. join us, okay. I'm in. in. I'm in. No, but I love that. And I think that's so beautiful. And to my listeners, uh, Melissa's going to share all of this information with me. It's going to be in the description and I'll link everything. So if this is something that's of interest to you, join it. Uh, Venezuelans in tech. That's just awesome. I love that. Um, so yeah, we are coming towards the end. I always love to give my guests the opportunity to promote whatever they would like. So Melissa, do you have something that you'd like to promote? Yes. And thank you for, for overall thing. Thank you for inviting me, Bianca. Of course. It's been a pleasure. Oh, we're friends now. I'm a Gemini, by the way. (laughs) Okay. I'm an Aries, but you know, it's like, I'm like, there's a lot of commonality here. So I look forward to to keeping in touch. Yes. Um, one thing that I would like to share with, with your listeners, so um, 
these were snippets of a lot of personal stories mm -hmm. that um, I have to share about my personal path, not only on the career side, but also um, at a personal level. So mm -hmm. I recently launched my keynote speaker career, and I'm very excited about using bigger platforms to help and inspire others. So if you're looking for a speaker for your next, uh, you know, it can be a webinar, your event, your podcast, like I'm more than excited to just uh, share my stories and, and help people see obstacles as opportunities for growth the same way I did it. So thank you for the opportunity and, you know, contact me, ask Bianca and I'm, and I'm happy to participate. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that's so great. Cause actually what I was thinking while you were talking, I was like, man, she needs to do like a Ted talk or something. Like <laughs> you've got a lot to say. And I love that I've given you kind of that platform to speak because, um, you know, I think that there's such an inspiring story behind it and you are trailblazing and you know, I can already tell that you're an amazing human. I'm really glad that I reached out to you. And I'm so glad you took the time to um, interview on Please Don't Kick Me Out because I think there is so much power in saying, and, and, and like, you know, just being who you are and being proud of that and where you come from. Thank you, Bianca. And thank you to all the listener, listeners. I'll be tuning in for the podcast going forward. So you got yourself a new fan. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you, Melissa, so much for taking the time to speak on Please Don't Kick Me Out. And to my listeners, as always, all of the information on how you can get in touch with Melissa, it's going to be in the description of the podcast. And if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, spread the word, tell a friend, phone at home. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Melissa. And I hope you have a lovely evening. Thanks. All right, bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use PDKMO to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday. <laughs>